Welcome to Eterna. Keep your dice rolling, your friends close, your monsters closer, and don't let the old gods bite. This podcast is an Eldritch Dream Games production. A dark fantasy Pathfinder game laced deep with cosmic horror. I would like to thank the patrons that make this possible. Brian Bridges, Brian Rafe, Donald Bewley, Eric S. Pat, Robin Mims, Tim Demuse, and Wesley Sullivan. Stay tuned after our tale to hear what these glorious people have in the works. But for now, let us listen. You return to the caravan. Uh, everyone's fine. Everything there is a-okay. Leaf, you was there. Nothing was out of place. Mr. Clothrush! Oh. You, you guys roll up and Leaf is just like sitting on top of the the carriage playing rock, paper, scissors with Box. Yeah, <sighs> Box isn't really good at making anything other than a fist. So it's mostly rock. Mr. Clothrush! <laughs> oh, you're back. And in one yes. piece. The, um, the Mr. Leonhardt said that you were like the truth and that you can uh, pat me on the shoulder and make me well. <laughs> I, I think she is asking to be healed. Uh, yes. L- let me see your wounds. Okay. I think this thing mostly hit her with uh, like bludgeoning damage. So <laughs> she's just all bruised up. Okay. Uh, both you and Riley would have the raking from the teeth. Oh, okay. Well, that's bad. Have a scratch. Yeah. Brock, with his one point of damage, demands your strongest healing spell. I have five points of damage, thank you. (laughs) You may as well just cast Resurrection on Brock. He's basically dead. (laughs) Honestly, I do not think you'll remind me of the truth. You'll remind me of freedom. Thank you. He is enough, (laughs) too. He is tall and slender and he has the pointy ears and he is the druid and he goes all over the place. He does not have a tree though. That's uh, nine points of healing. Does does that nip your injuries or do I need more? Oh, that's good. There's a little bit left, but she can heal that overnight. Okay. Uh, So that should take care of you. Is anybody else hurt? Uh, the, well, uh, Mr. Morham got eaten. But I already cleaned the goo off him. Um, and Mr. Brock has his, uh, uh, a scratch on his belly. Riley will say that his wounds are superficial and he will uh, be just fine. You too, Brock? I just put a scratch. <laughs> Come here, I'll gnaw your legs off. Thankfully, uh, things were pretty quiet over here. Uh, nothing was threatening the caravan. This always reassuring to hear. I, I do have some interesting news about the large creature in the road, however. Um, it is a monster? Well, well sort of. And uh, I, I guess, like, as you guys were gone, uh, he would have led the caravan up closer, I guess, to the, the site of the incident. And so he'll, he'll just kind of, like, hop off and stroll over to it. And he says, uh, this big thing, and he'll, you know, slap it like a used car salesman. Uh. <laughs> and this, this this monster can indeed fit so many items in it. 
Yeah. He says, uh, this thing it happens to be a particularly aggressive fae specimen. Uh, the upside of its presence being that uh, apparently its stomach is useful as an extra dimensional space. In short, the inside of it's larger than the outside. Uh, yes. So we might be able to use that for holding cargo or something if I'm able to harvest it. The uh, the creature that uh, swallowed Mr. Moran, his, his belly is like that too. Interesting. Uh, I, I imagine it was one of the fleshy things. It was gross. I don't know. So he, he just kind of like stops for a second and he points at the, the bodies on the ground. So human, halfling, and then it was it was like a gathak or something? Patigak. Patigak. So a human, halfling, patigak. There was the small thing. Uh, there was another human and... You said there was a dwarf? Yeah, dwarf. Do, does that compare to the numbers of the fleshy things that we found? Um, there were two that were killed. There were two that ran away. And then there was the big one. So there are two that escaped completely. But do, you said that one of, of the two that I burnt, one was human-sized and one was like halfling-sized, yeah? yes? Interesting. Uh, and the dwarf does not appear to have any of these feeding wounds on it. It doesn't look like any of them ate him. Does someone actually mention that this, this body is a dwarf? Uh, Brock doesn't. Yeah, Leaf would not. I mean, it's just like he's he's assuming that everyone's able to identify their their ethnicities i guess uh but he's I, I, or maybe he's like going through like the and labeling the bodies it's like well uh i i was able to to dispose of two of the bodies here and you can kind of see like the scorch mark or whatever on the ground from the one that just like burned and uh but it's really interesting because it it seems like the numbers of victims somewhat matches up with the numbers of these these creatures and that one of the ones that I burned was halfling sized, one was human sized and then one was patagak sized, but there were still two that ran away, so I'm not sure what would have happened to the to the other two, maybe they just didn't get a chance to feed on the dwarf here? Maybe? Or but I, I guess what I'm saying is uh, perhaps these things take something from whatever they feed upon. That is what we saw with the uh, the smaller one that we found before, was it not? With the squirrel? It's uh, it's one of the possible conclusions y'all came to, yeah. Well, uh, the pattern holds true. And if so, uh, it's quite terrifying. So then should we dispose of the one in the forest as well? Absolutely. Can you show me the way? Yes. Who am I kidding? I've got survival. <laughs> I'll be the only druid that gets lost in the woods forever. <laughs> All right. Are you wanting to try and harvest the stomachs of these things? Well, of, of the patikak, I think he's just going to burn the uh, aberrations. Okay. It might be difficult because Riley did get a giant hole in the other one's stomach. That might ruin the uh, the quality of it slightly. Yeah. Now it's, now it's like an extra dimensional hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe I can contain Riley's ego. Ha ha! <laughs> you just put it on, stick your head out, and like just walk around as like a tiny creature with a medium-sized head. <laughs> yes. Fat guy in a little coat. <laughs> All right. Well, 
when you go out there to burn the corpse, it is rather sizable. Um, and it, just like the other one that had already been dead, does not light up uh, like flash paper or anything. It just kind of slowly smolders. It does still have the alchemist fire in its belly. It does. Uh, if it, that hasn't cracked. Interesting. So I, I guess like we watch it smolder for a little bit and then it erupts in flame. So he burns it with the silver flame thing, right? Yeah, he was he was trying to. When like when I say it smolders, like that this exterior that it's got doesn't burn very well. Like it smolders in the area where you like apply the fire, but then it kind of just like just smolders and kind of stops. Oh, I, I see. So I, I I was under the impression that that whenever it was smoldering, that it was just like burning slow instead of like flash paper. So okay, they're they're essentially inflammable. Um, then. It's just it's, that's so strange. I wonder why that one was burning, and and the others did. Uh, we we haven't seen anything where like if something tries to eat these things, it doesn't like create an infection or anything, right? Uh, y'all haven't y'all haven't seen anything try to eat one of these. Uh, I, I think maybe then we just bury it. Or well, this thing's like absolutely massive, um, and it's it's pretty thickly wooded here, right? Yeah, and in all honesty, feasibly, uh, monsters of this size are often harvested for what they can be harvested for and left to rot. I, I could maybe dig a big enough hole. Maybe. It'll take you a while. I'm a big motherfucker, size huge. Can move 25 pounds of dirt at a time. I, I, I won't make too big of a deal out of it then. Uh, I suppose there's not much that we can do here. Um, and you, you said that these fleshy things, like their anatomy looks way different than whatever it is they kind of look like. Uh, their internal anatomy has, like, it looks like they're almost incomplete. Like, uh, when you open, like, when you looked into the wounds of the human one, like, it didn't have a liver, it didn't have kidneys, it had lungs, and it had a stomach and, like, a digestive tract for the most part. Uh, but it was all, like, much more streamlined. Uh, they had a heart. Uh, but it was like weird and not in the right place and it just makes a lot less sense from an organic standpoint but they do have a lot of similarities okay um then i think uh i, I guess i'll just check the uh, aberrant patagak looking thing and mm -hmm. see if its stomach is intact for the purposes uh, there's of a, there's a small hole in the side but uh, the displacing uh, abilities still seem to hold true to it. Then uh, I, I just kind of say, well, uh, this thing appears to share the magical properties of a normal Patagak, so if we've got time to spare, I, I don't really hear anything else out in these woods. Uh, we might benefit from harvesting. Is anyone against uh, me spending some time to do this? Maybe we could assist you to speed the process? Please, just uh, don't cut too deeply. And I guess he'll direct them. All right. For this one, due to its alien anatomy around the stomach, I would like you to make uh, dungeoneering checks to attempt to harvest. That's a six. That's a seven. <laughs> so no, y'all y'all try cutting it away and like you find that... Uh, uh, after a little bit that the stomach inside like just immediately shrinks and becomes useless tissue 
just deflates and makes a little farty noise. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was unsuccessful. Uh, there's a there's a cracking sound from within, and it starts to glow oh. from inside. Um. Throw some dirt on it, I guess, to prevent a forest <laughs> fire. Yeah, Smokey the bear. That's what Smokey the bear always said. <laughs> so yes, you were unable to harvest the stomach from the aberrant Patagat. Okay, then make make some moves on the the normal one. Then that one will require knowledge nature. Brock would just apologize as uh, the other one fails, as he assumes it's probably his fault. Twenty seven on that one. All right. With the 27, after 10 minutes, you harvest enough of its stomach, uh, maintaining its properties. It will either uh, be capable of counting as 650 gold of the required gold component for any bag of holding, or you can, uh, if you have the requisite feats, you can turn it into a minor bag of holding. Okie doke. Uh, if y'all think y'all can do it quickly, y'all can go ahead and fuck up now, or y'all can wait till the end of the session. Oh, I cannot get it done before we break a right over. I promise you that. Then we will not fuck up till the end of the session. Last time on Dungeon Ball Z, y'all fought a big fucking monster and didn't die. Uh, Leaf turned a dying aberration into, uh, flash photography, and... Riley's hearing voices in his head. Delightful. Let's continue. <laughs> yes. If, if they are friendly voices, it is okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, who's to say that Riley's not, you know, hearing voices are actually there? You know, everyone else can't hear him. Right? Mr. Leonhard, he heard my voice when I was not there. But he heard my voice because it was there. <laughs> Yes, Riley's parents are casting the message spell from beyond the grave. Yes. Woo. What a good cantrip. What a good <laughs> Let's just hope that they don't decide to uh, also dive into the realm of ghost smut. <laughs> ghost on ghost is so blase. It has to be ghost on person. Otherwise, it won't sell. <laughs> Incest is also a pretty popular form of porn right now. So there you go. Would you read a smut book, though, if it was written by your parents? Written by or about or both? Either or. Uh, I'd be curious if it was just written by, I guess. But I mean, the other two, no. (laughs) (laughs) If it isn't ectoplasmic reverse blowjobs, it ain't good enough. Does it count if it's your own butt? (laughs) y'all are at the caravan (laughs) y'all are at the caravan and y'all need jesus (laughs) well if if the boys are passing around this smut i am just going to go to my room that is not being passed around. It's it's all just with Leaf. Leaf's got it. Leaf's hogging it. No, all. no. We have a guy in our caravan named Chuck Tingle who just spends <laughs> a lot of time trying to hand off his manuscripts. Yeah, he showed up right after Clint left. Oh my god. <laughs> We're at the anyway. caravan. <laughs> yes, caravan. We're at caravan. We, mm-hmm. we got so ourselves. Don't do anything. We got ourselves a stomach. 
You, and, you, got, you got you you have yourself a Padagak stomach lining. Uh but I, I don't really like I, I think we were just moving before this whole incident happened, so I guess we need go back to that. We just go back to traveling. Okay. Is anybody yes. going to do anything while they're traveling along? Well, I do. Me, oh, okay. Well, you know what? Hats fine. Go ahead. <laughs> I wanna hear what Riley said. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, how many more quote-unquote days of traveling do we have left? Um, after you rest tonight, it will either be late tomorrow or early the next day when you should arrive at Thorn. Okay, great. Then um, uh, I guess a few things to do while traveling. Uh, first of which, before I forget to mention it, Riley needs to touch base with Shadow because she's mentioned the truth a handful of times so far. And I don't want to let that plot point slip by. Um, two, probably debriefing with, um, at the very least, Leaf and Brock on um, specifically the stuff that he saw in his dreams. Because I don't think Brock is privy to any of it yet. And then conveniently, while Leaf is present, pointing out that, wow, his current set of chain mail is a lot heavier than his old masterwork set of chain mail and wouldn't it be nice if you know just the lightweight quality could be swapped into the new magical one oh and he wants to catch up with the uh the halfling girl uh liliana okay because she's not that talkative and uh riley is those are the four things riley wants to accomplish before the adventure is over so to sum up riley morheim who does not like to speak to anybody wants to talk to everybody Got that, Sean? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> about right. I should have just said that. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picking on you, babe. Yeah, yeah. But we can like paraphrase all these conversations. I don't need to go into like super big detail. Um, depending on what Shadow has to say about the truth, maybe that one. But other than that, okay. <laughs> You're muted, Tracy. This is a conversation between players. Oh, we're at I, this point. Great. Oh, okay. Well, we didn't know we were doing this yet. He was just yeah. giving you a summary of what he wanted to do. It, it's okay. I'll do the setup. So <laughs> during traveling, um, where, where does Shadow in the rank? She scouts ahead, right? For the most part, yeah. So then Riley will probably catch her before she uh, manages to disappear into the darkness once again and uh, ask for a moment of her time this evening. Do you want to, to go ahead with me and uh, watch for the monsters? As interesting as that might be, I think that I might actually just slow you down a little bit on that. Um, but I did want to ask you something about uh, what I overheard you talking to Leaf about and something you mentioned to me earlier. You um, name dropped the truth? Truth, yes. How are you... Uh, this is an entity that you know, I'm assuming. <laughs> the truth is uh, a member of the Silent Seven, but uh, is also my brother. You don't say. Yes, uh, he's uh, two years older than me. Uh, he looks uh, kind of like me, but he is a boy. Uh, hence, brother. Yes. How? Yes. How, how old are you? Me. I, I am 8 and 20. 8 and 20? Yes. 
28 or 820? Uh, the 28. Okay. <laughs> you say uh, numbers funny in the common language. <laughs> Riley just uh, chuckles a little bit. Um, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is because in my dreams the other night, I spoke to an entity that identified itself as the truth and it answered several questions of mine. I do not think uh, my brother talks to people in dreams. He uh, he wears heavy armor and uh, he smites things. Well, the entity that I spoke to wasn't didn't really portray itself as a person. I am pretty sure that he is a person. So probably not not truth. Hmm. Yes, this is all very confusing to me, to be perfectly honest. Okay. Shall we explain? Okay, okay I'm listening. Okay. Okay, so. Long time ago, Mama and Papa got married. And then a boy, and they named him Grayson. And then Grayson grew up to be the truth. Okay? I'm following. Okay. So, and then they also had Nisa, which is me. And I grew up to be the shadow. Mm-hmm. But we are just people. Uh, the back butterfly gives us uh, powers, yes. So that uh, we can do work for her. But uh, we are just people. Yeah. Uh, Riley takes a deep we do, breath. We do not get in people's heads, Mister Morhan. I cannot cannot get into your dreams. Uh, perhaps it's just uh, something using a similar title. Then there is different truths for different people. Uh, so this one seemed to be, or at least try to suggest, is a little bit more universal. I suppose. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, if we ever go by the temple, you can ask the silence. She might know. Noted. Uh, where exactly this temple? Um, Obscura. I see. It is in the mountains. Okay. I suppose if we do make our way there, then I will uh, have to make a point of doing that. But... Yes. Uh, perhaps you can help me just order some things around. Maybe any of this will make some sort of sense to you. And okay. uh, Riley will go on and just like explain his experience the other night, seeing the uh, like the eyes in the sky, the cogs moving, all that weird Cthulhu shit that he experienced <laughs> um, that you were here for, that you, I'm assuming, were listening to. I think uh, maybe this is a spiritual experience. Uh, maybe from outside source like God or maybe from inside source like you, your own imagination Ye- maybe though it's I didn't I was goddamn muted damn it <laughs> <laughs> oh that's perfect what'd you have to say Sean <laughs> I was gonna say roll a will save when you go to explain about the answer to your last question uh uh explain the answer to my last question which was uh why he was 
why Riley why was. Yes. Okay. Do you want me to roll a will save? I don't think I asked that question, but I can still roll. Okay. Roll a will save. Let's do it. Uh, That's a 12. Okay. So, um, like, during that explanation, like, near the end of it, you kind of just trail off and, like, uh, from from uh your perspective uh it's this very uh desolate feeling uh from from shadows it it might just seem like uh he didn't know how to quite finish explaining it maybe maybe mr morhan in the evenings you come and uh, sit in the quiet room and reflect on the inside and maybe the uh, black butterfly will help you understand. Uh, Riley just kind of slowly nods and uh, says maybe, maybe I I guess I'll need to think on these things more. Uh, Thanks for your time. I don't mean to hold you up and he'll just kind of uh, shuffle off back into the caravan. You can talk now, son. We will let you. All right. So, uh, what was next? The thing with the uh, with your items? Uh, yeah, that's just a casual uh, sort of like, hey, can you uh, do me a solid and make it so that I'm not encumbered carrying most of my stuff? That'd be great. It's a leaf. <laughs> leaf, what are you doing when Riley comes around begging favors off of you? Uh, what does Riley ask? So, like, I, I picture it kind of like Riley's just, like, maybe, like, cleaning up his gear at, like, a, a rest stop or something. And uh, he's just, like, sorting out the two chain mails he has while, like, Leaf is either nearby or walking by. And um, yeah, maybe Leaf overhears him say, like, yes, this is actually, this suit is significantly heavier than the other one. This is true. I forgot that I got this one specifically to be lightweight. That's unfortunate. And then he just like looks at the, the long sword and like shakes his head and mutters something about it being like a really fine weapon, but unfortunately, totally not his style. I take it you're not happy with your equipment. It's just like sucks to suck. Keeps walking. No. <laughs> it's cool. Um, yeah, uh, Riley just like uh, chuckles a little bit and looks up at Leaf and says, um, no, I, the the gifts are great. I just unfortunately don't know how to make much use out of the longsword, and I've been uh, forced to disarm myself of everything but my father's rapier while wearing the suit of armor. Uh, I know I may uh, look like a very strong and powerful individual, but I assure you it's mostly grace and finesse. Well, and I mean, he's just going to like cast detect magic while they're in the... Uh... Just, just sitting here casually ch- chatting, and uh, he he'll say, uh, "Well, I do. You have a suit of armor you'd prefer to wear." Well, obviously, the the chainmail I was given. Uh, it seems, well, I mean, it's magic, as was described, but um, it's heavier, unfortunately. I meant style-wise. Uh-huh. I have certain gifts whenever it comes to manipulating magics. I might be able to uh, work something out and pull some of the enchantment 
from one and move it to the other. Oh, this is, uh, yes, yes. Well, the... Riley just like pauses and looks at both and then he's just like I mean this suit is uh, very fine obviously well made and it seems like it was designed for a warrior of some sort of renown it's very heroic in nature but I had this one custom built for me he gestures to the one he had made and I think Starlight yes so I feel like this one has technically more sentimental value to me well yes unfortunately it seems like um, between uh a rock in a hard place. Well, and he just like uh, shifty eyes across camp over at Brock <laughs> and then looks back at Leaf. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I do believe uh, if just the skill set to help you with this. Uh, so you've quite a bit of uh, magic between these items. Uh, I can take the ones you don't plan on using or aren't comfortable using and I, I can certainly move the enchantments over uh, I, I suppose you'll hold on to the un- disenchanted items for sentimental value this uh what was it like a, a dragon blade or whatever right um uh when when you do this unless unless you're going the more expensive route and uh actually just changing the one item outright uh you actually do fuse the two items together so the lesser uh one of the items is lost to make this fusion interesting okay well never mind he says (laughs) well i can smush these things together (laughs) bradley uh chuckles and says i think for the time being if this is something you can do that's wonderful um that i'd like to hold on to the long sword as is but Having two suits of armor is certainly a uh, a bit of trouble. <laughs> well, then uh, let's consolidate this down, and uh, we'll we'll see what we can do about this chainmail here. And I mean, like, I'll I'll just point to like one space in front of me and be like, here, place down the armor that you wish to use, and then hand me the one that we want to move the enchantment from. And I'll get to work. Yeah, sure. Um, Riley will comply. Uh, let's see. Does it? Does the cost really matter if I shift the plus one over to my old chainmail versus moving masterwork qualities to the new one? Okay, so the cost is just based off of the cheaper item. So uh, when you're fusing them together, you basically you will lose some qualities, but you basically get to pick and choose the ones you want to keep. Uh, so long as they are equivocable when it comes to masterwork, like, you can't uh, swap something that you know, gives you a doubled quality with something that's only one quality. Sure. But, uh, okay. Like, you, you take the higher masterwork tier of the two, you take the higher magical effects of the two. Um, of course, in this case, um, like since that's just because one is mundane and the other one's not um so it it it's not a real uh intense situation for the combining of these mundane items with the magical one great so then long story short i want to end up with a plus one chainmail that also has lightweight quality yeah <laughs> yes great there you go what's the uh how much do i owe you <laughs> i don't know 
uh, not much at all. The the items themselves account for a part of the cost in the way I'm viewing it. So uh, I need to get into your thing right quick. Hold on. Yadi da 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 da. So it says the cost is equal to 100% of the cheaper of the two items to be combined. So if we're burning one, would, would that just make... With, with, the mon with the mundane items, I, I made it 50%. 125 gold worth of materials effectively is going to be the thing. What you need. Uh, neat. Neat. Great. Um, in that case, I'm going to have to uh, humbly request that uh, Leaf put the uh, magic display of combining my items like Silly Putty um, on hold for a little while while I can uh, earn myself some funds to shore up the difference. Which uh, tomorrow Leaf can begin looking for more reagents as well and whatnot. Okay, so that is, is that all you needed, rightly? Uh, yeah, for the time being, I think. It's good to know that you can do some wibbly-wobbly magic stuff in terms of the equipment we have. I'm sure that will go a long way. You can just kind of see him. He's he's like weaving. It almost looks like a basket or something out of like reeds and leaves and maybe like a pine cone or something. And just like kicking his legs while he's sitting on the side of like the roof of the wagon. And uh, he's like, oh, you don't even know the half of it. Just wait until you see what else I've got planned. Riley smiles and uh, just nods and <laughs> says, I'm sure it'll be wonderful no matter what. Um, but I'll touch base with you when I have the money to afford the materials for what you need to do. <laughs> oh, you don't even know. And I imagine Riley's just like slowly backing away. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I guess the, the only thing besides all the, the regent harvesting um, that I had planned was I did want to see if I could like wood shape uh, box up some wooden armor. Uh, sure. Go ahead and make me craft check. Uh, would carpentry be acceptable since it is primarily wood or would it be armor making all the way through? Yes, that's a good question. I, I figured um, carpentry would apply exclusively for the wooden armor, but I wanted to check. I'll let you do carpentry. Yeah, it makes sense. All right. Um, I, I'm gonna because I'm gonna use the tools from the satchel for another plus two on the masterwork side of things, and then um, can't do it with the magic. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I'll, I'll just keep using the magic then. Um, okay. Let's see. But I do have guidance. So I, I'll throw another plus one on top of this then. Okay. And uh, I'm going to be aiming for masterwork wooden armor to make him fancy, a fancy dress. Uh, masterwork of what scale? What are you, oh, that's... <laughs> Dis disregard. I forgot that masterwork was all fancy. I'll just, I'll just masterwork transformation it later on. Okay. Um... I don't. I don't think that that uh, is up to snuff. Unfortunately, no. It... Uh, it's since I'm I'm just like wood shaping. I can just keep trying, right? And it doesn't take like a huge amount of time. Right. Okay. Give it one more try. Son of a bitch. You just keep keep burning those spells. Okay. Let's let's go for round three. There we go. Sixteen. I think that'll get a basic wood armor. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's just uh, the, the armor bonus plus 10, I think. So are you harvesting this wood from nearby trees or? Absolutely. I'm not like flaying box and then telling him to wear it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But but yeah, I'm I'm just kind of like uh, pulling it from like nearby trees. If I can get like still living wood and then build like little, I guess like shelves or troughs or, or something like that, where he could still potentially like tend to the living wood and kind of do druidy things with it, then I will do so. Uh, like where, where I could have like soil and like fertilize it and like water it so that the, the armor, it, it doesn't have to be like fancy material or anything like that. But I, I think like fluff wise, I, it would still have like leaves and stuff growing from it. And it would be a knowledge nature check. Okay. Natural 20 for a 33. Sure. His, his armor can still be alive. It's just I'm like using my plant speak, and the whole time I'm just hearing his armor scream. What have you done to me, Father? What are we, Papa? Papa, what have you done? <laughs> and Where's that natural like, twenty? It'll, it'll be alive until something terrible happens to it. Yeah, no sundering, please. Somebody else decides to uh, hit you with another scorching ray. Yeah. Fireball. Well. Hopefully by then I'll have it enchanted for like fire resistance or some bullshit. <laughs> Which, uh, Leaf, during your, the travels here, I'd like you to make a sense motive. Sense motive? That's a 19. Mm, that is not enough. Shy by one. Hmm. Surge! Surge! <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was, I was in the process of surging whenever you said shy by one. Okay. Um, boxes avoiding open flames oh no then then yeah uh, I I think the fire resistance armor is uh, top priority and I I guess just kind of like as as I'm I'm fitting the the armor onto him after having crafted it and uh, I'll just give him a little pat on the shoulder and say uh are you doing okay, buddy? Box is fine. I noticed you've uh, been a little skittish around the, the caravan lately, away from the stove and our campfires. Fire burn. But fire cook? No need cook. Dirt. What dirt? <laughs> I, I get that you're worried after what happened in Gira with those terrible creatures I I get it and I won't let it happen again in fact uh, in my communing with the nature spirits in the morning when I I gather up my magics for the day I've made sure that I prepare protective magics just in case such a situation were to happen again so I can't let what happened in that dark place by the well happen again and I won't let it happen so he just like gives him a little like play punch in his elbow and uh, say you can trust me like waggle his hand he'll like poke your hand <sighs> how does the armor feel clunky mm, well we can work on Wait, that did you, did you give him armor proficiency 
Yep, absolutely. Oh, never, never mind then. He's, uh, he's had armor proficiency then. for like a level or two. Oh, okay. Um, okay, feels good. Flex on everybody. <laughs> and it's it's got like fancy little engravings and like similar patterns to, to like the wagon whenever he made it. You will feel shortly after your conversation with Box a burning desire to destroy something coming from behind you. Oh no. I, I turn around to observe where this burning desire is coming from. As you turn around, you see Taraxis wreathed in a halo of silver flame. At first he's smiling, but as you turn to look at him, his face quickly deepens into a scowl. What did you do, Leaf? What happened? And he, I, I guess he, he was kind of in a pretty tranquil mood uh, up until now. And so he, he just kind of surprised for a second. And then he turns around and uh, he says, I've, I've done nothing. Where have you been? I've been around, apparently not paying enough attention. And it is stirred. In the morning, just before you woke up, what did you do, Leaf? What concern of it is yours? The part where your entire path is tangled and twisted on its own merits. If that's how my path grows, then so be it. It's mine and mine alone. Is it now? Are you sure it's not something else, Leaf? Because there's a lot of these little branches where you don't walk out of them. And I suppose you think you're helping? I thought I had been, for the most part, yes. And this this desire to utterly annihilate this thing before you continues to grow in intensity and uh, and the the flames around him grow more violent. It, he's, he just kind of thinks back for a second to all the things that uh, Tava had said about him treating Taraxis too harshly and He'll stop for a second, and uh, he'll he'll just say, uh, you know, perhaps I have been treating you too harshly. Back at the castle, despite appearances, you did help. So I'll give you this much. And he just kind of, like, tries to touch that little ember again, and just display the silver flame for him I guess he will kind of recoil and make this strange like chittering hissing noise as the fire comes out you're not playing with something you understand Leaf put it away and you I need you to make a will save okay that's an 11 so Taraxis vanishes as you pour forth a gout of silver flame in his direction. Uh, in in a fashion that you're not sure actually how to do. Um, <laughs> but Taraxis, uh, of course, uh, you would assume using his 
ease of walking through time has vanished or re- he may have reappeared somewhere else, but you're not sure you don't see him. He, he just kind of like grabs himself by the wrist of the hand that had the, the silver flame on it. And he, he goes, oh, I, uh, I'd like everybody to make perceptions, please. Except for relief, of course. Yeah. Huh. I didn't mean to do that. 21. 19. 17. So I think all of you would certainly see the bright flash of silver white fire uh, erupt into the open air over the section of camp. uh, Not like the knight's camp, but uh, just one of the rest stops uh, where Leaf was standing. Riley, you would have noticed him speaking to nowhere in particular. You would assume perhaps that maybe it was Taraxis. Maybe he was hiding his presence to you. Oh, then, well, I mean, instantaneously, you know, seeing this uh, bright flash of flame uh, of light, I guess, uh, Riley draws his blade and uh, hops over as quickly as possible. You just see Leaf standing there, like, holding his hand gripped by the wrist like it just misbehaved. What did the creature do to your hand, Leaf? Uh, he just... I, I didn't mean to do that. And he's, I guess he's searching around to see if Taraxis is still present. Uh, Taraxis uh, is not uh, apparent to you. Uh, he, he just kind of like holds his hand out somewhat. I think I found something that Taraxis is afraid of. Riley sheaths his blade, walks over, and just looks at Leaf and says, Your hands? I try and do the silver fire thing again. You conjure it again. This, uh, the dream we talked about? Yes. This, uh, this flame was pushing me to burn him. That's strange. I wonder why. Well, regardless, that was the first time I've ever seen Taraxis worried about anything. He says my my path is is tangled. Apparently he had it he had it prone to his liking before. Well, I suppose having something that Taraxis is afraid of isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you seem as though something happened that you weren't able to control. Uh, Leaf, go ahead and make me an intelligence check. To skadoosh. That's an eight. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I don't, I don't roll dice in big numbers. Come on. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it, it, I, I could feel the flame pushing me uh, to, to do something about Taraxis's presence. It, it had alerted me that he was nearby. Do you still believe all those things that Tava said? That she trusts him? Do you think there's... Do you think he's good in his intentions? I'm going to be honest, Leaf. I'm not particularly sure what to believe these days, except from my own motives and the motives of my allies. To be perfectly frank, there's been many, many, many confusing things that I can't quite comprehend occurring lately. I guess I, I'm just asking... Should I trust this flame and cleanse as it's directing me to do? Or or should I maybe hold back? I was I was trying to be nicer to Taraxis. 
I at least owe him that much when he saved my life, but the flame reacted to him similarly that it did to those things last night. I'm of the mind leaf that men such as yourself, me, our allies, uh, people in general are best to act on their own volitions. That's when swayed by forces and powers that they don't understand or entities that may be above them, for lack of a better term. It's disgracing our agency. I don't know how to make sense of what you're going through. Um, but I've always trusted your sense of direction and your sense of morality. You're the closest thing to the silver flame and what your dream had told you. And while myself and the others are here to bounce ideas off of, uh, as of right now, I'm more interested in what you think. It's, it's interesting because I usually feel that when I'm pushed in a direction to do something, it's almost as if I, sh- I should go against the current. Before, I didn't think twice about distrusting Taraxis, but now that I'm I'm being pushed to to be aggressive towards him, potentially to hurt him, if his reaction to the flame is to be believed, I, I almost feel like I, I'm doing someone else's bidding, and I wonder if it's right. Well. If it was right, it wouldn't be trying to compel you to do something. If it was right, it sounds like you could just be convinced of it. But maybe there are certain things that are objective. It can't be argued against that those things last night were evil. And if he's related to them, if he's not being honest about his motives, perhaps whatever help, whatever aid he provides to us does more harm in the long run. Uh, I would like Leaf to make a wisdom check. Oh boy. (laughs) Uh, So you're unaware as to whether through you the power surged or if the flame once produced uh, essentially took on a life of its own and attacked of its own volition. You're unaware whether it was truly you or the fire. Uh making the action whether you were compulsed or if it just happened well uh like there's that doubt there like not like there's no inkling or anything it's just there's that doubt well I think it'll require uh more thought yes yes of course as with all a lot of things we're going through um We have a lot of words being thrown our way to try to convince us of certain motives and ideals. But by the end of the day, Leaf, I'm a man of action. And I just try to make sure that the actions I do resonate with who I am. And at the end of the day, I think that's all any of us can do. Yeah. And I I guess he he puts the silver flame away. (laughs) And you know what? Once the uh, silver flame leaves your hand, Riley's going to uh, just basically reach out, grab your hand for a nice hearty handshake and just like 
eye contact with you, Leaf, and say, regardless, you're not alone. Never forget that. Thank you. <sighs> so in the meanwhile, when the light was first uh, alighting, Brock had noticed, as well as everyone else, but before he could turn and really make his way there, Brock would find a sh- hand on his shoulder, long and somewhat skeletal looking. He recognizes this hand. It's uh, He's ga- He's going to quickly turn, kind of pulling himself away from the hand. Kind of not liking being touched out of nowhere like that. Uh, and he's just going to kind of turn and face him. Come with me. We have something to talk about. Mark's going to look around. Anybody, anybody, anybody else around them? Are they uh, like alone? Like, they're, they're not alone alone. Like Y'all are still more or less like adjacent to the caravan. I'm going to think for a moment and kind of hesitate, but he'll follow him. He'll walk slightly away, just a few trees into the woodlands just to kind of break some distance and whatnot. Okay, because, yeah, he probably wouldn't follow him further than that, so that's probably good. Uh, once he follows him in, he's going to kind of look, I guess, up at him. He'll bend his body downward. Yeah, but probably not that far down. I'll ask, uh, what is it that you needed me for? Well, Brock, as Adira, yes, she's taken her old name back. Drink. As Adira. No, don't drink. Damn it. Don't uh, drink. Too, too, uh, I'm out of liquor. It's okay. Never mind. Carry on. Since Adira is no longer around, and Leaf. Leaf is not in a, shall we say, the best of circumstances at the moment. I need somebody to talk to, and... He'd immediately give him kind of a look and interrupt. He'd say, what what do you mean Leaf isn't in good circumstances right now? He has an entity, a powerful one, attached to him. Aren't we all? No, no. This is something... Not what you're fighting against. Think of it more of a force in existence. It is very, very dangerous, Brock. And Riley, something's not right with him. Last night seems to have been a decisive point for your party. Something has changed in both of them. Leaf wields a power he doesn't understand. His path is now tangled, no less so than when you interact with the things that you are fighting against. Why are you telling me this? Because, Brock, you're the only one left. Only one left? To what? You can still think straight. And you're not trying to kill me. Okay. Yeah, I I suppose I'm not. I'm going to suggest you keep a close eye on Leaf. 
He's going to have a lot of questions and he's not going to know the answers. Telling me you know the answers? To some questions, perhaps. Like I said, his path is tangled. And even with my mark on him, it becomes difficult to see which outcome is the real one. So, Brock, I'm going to offer you something. A favor. What is this favor? Very nearly anything you want. But I do have some things that I cannot do. These are laws I have to abide by. And I will let you know if when you go to call in your favor, if I can't do it, I will do the best I can to get you as close to the result you want. But I need your mark. And I need you to keep an eye on Leaf. So in order for... In exchange for this favor, all you're asking is that I keep an eye on Leaf? Keep him true to who he is. You have no suggestions of what that should be? Well, you know him. Don't let him just start slaughtering people. Exchange, you can offer me almost anything. Indeed. Uh, he would motion to the cart where the uh, the injured people that we pulled from the Shadow Plane are. He said in there are people whose minds and bodies have been damaged, and we're not sure if we can fix them. Can you? And you want them fixed? Yeah, I, I would like them fixed, yes. I would like them healthy. He leans back. He seems to think for a moment. You notice that while he does this, he almost like flickers, like he's only half here. Yes, I've thought of a way. I can do this. Will it harm them in any way? No, but they will forget a few things. What? Mostly the things that have put them in this situation. Their memories will go back to a time before they were taken. And so will their bodies. But I'll draw them back forward in time, so that... The chain of events remains unbroken. Uh, just knowledge on Brock's part. Uh, are these... Did anybody other than... Because I know with Maximilian, like, Shaylin and them came, but the other people, did any of their families come? Yes. Okay. Um, um, most of them only had one, maybe two members. They're here? Yes. Okay, then Brock would... He would nod, and he would say, I should speak to their families first. At least someone closer to them should have a, a choice in the matter. Well, they've not much to lose, but yes, do we have a deal, Brock? And he holds like, he opens his like claw to you. Uh, he kind of looks at him and he says, if you fix them, then yes, I will do this. And he will, I guess, extend a hand to the claw and I guess shake your hand will feel cold where it touches him. Good. And he will vanish. Okay, then Brock is going to go off to find Shaylin and I guess the other family members. 
Okay. Uh, and he's going to just kind of gather them all together. And he's going to sit them down. And he's going to say, I, I can't explain exactly what is going to happen to them, as I don't know. But I have found a way that I think we can erase what's happened to them. But I think we can bring them back to how they were before they went to the shadow plane, as we believe they were in. I've been told that they may lose some of their memories, though, and I felt it was not my choice to make. And I I thought I should leave it up to the families of the people who would be most affected. Just kind of wait and see if... How, how much of their memories are they going to lose? Uh, this is Shaylin. I'm not positive. Uh, I was told mostly the things that made them the way they are, but it may be more than that. Uh, one of the men that uh, um, came with approaches, and how how are you going to fix them? Put them back the way they were. What are you talking about? I I am not going to do anything. There is a a creature that has been following us. He apparently has some kind of ability to alter time and travel back and I suppose forward even. He says that he can bring a past version of them forward right before they were taken. They would, as he says, still be them, but just from before. So I don't don't understand. And Shaylin steps in and she's like, I think he's saying that there's time magic going on. You're going to undo what was done to them? I don't fully understand it myself. This is honestly a little beyond me, but... How do we know we can trust this creature? Me, don't. That's why I didn't make the decision myself. I thought you should at least know what the possibilities are. But I've made a deal with the creature, and any of you who wish to have them back can have them back. If not, I will still do what I can to heal them with magics that don't involve this creature. Liliana kind of uncharacteristically pipes up. He's like, that, that sounds like a devil's deal, Brock. Did you sell your soul for this? Uh, he would look at her, and honestly, he's not sure because he's still kind of concerned about what Taraxis can do. Uh, but he would just kind of re- try to reassure her and be like, uh, I, I don't believe so, no. I, I wouldn't have done such a thing. Shaylin would come forward and be like, if, if you think there's a chance, if, if you think... If you think it'll fix him, uh, I'll leave this up to you. Uh, he would not. He would say he has saved Leaf before. It it seems that tries to help when he can, and up till now it hasn't gone wrong for us. So I don't see why he would do it now. And you'll hear coming from the back of Shaylin's cart the sounds of confusion. Huh? But we're... Where am I? How did I get here? And it is Maximilian's voice. Uh, yeah, Brock would quickly run in there and see what's going on. He's he's getting up from uh, from the 
pallet that he was on and just looks around and he's like, Brock, you're alive. Brock's just going to kind of run up and hug him and just be like, are you, are you yourself? Of course I'm myself. How did we get here? What happened with the fog? Where's Shailen? Uh, she, she is, she is safe. She is just outside. But you, you uh, feel she'll fine? She'll come around the back just where you are. Yes, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel fine. Uh, which he obviously like has like a, a splint on his arm, but uh, otherwise looks quite okay. And then yeah, he's just gonna take him over to Shailen and just kind of leave them to themselves, just kind of really overjoyed that he's back, but not wanting to kind of interfere with their reunion there. Right. She she is crying and and fawning over him being all right. And many of the others have come around the back of the cart at this point. Uh and like are taking a look and like becoming obviously more reassured and they all slowly start to agree and the other individuals begin to stir or be recovered from their previous states. I would like Leaf, Shadow, and Riley to make perceptions, please. 19. 20. 21. All right. The, a lot of you would notice some clamoring and commotion going on back by the carts. Leaf, do you hear that? Clamoring and commotion behind the carts. I do. Let's investigate. Let us do so. And we'll uh, immediately advert our attention and head over. Does Shadow do anything? Not really. This is not something she was at all involved with or has even been talked to about, so... Okay. So you you go back and you see several of the people that came with you. They're, they're all, like, they're kind of crowding around Brock and they're, like, lifting him up. And you see standing around looking mildly confused, but otherwise all right, um, the people you had brought with you to be healed. On their feet? On their feet. Uh, they don't have those deep scars. Maximilian has like a, a splint on one of his arms, but other than that, uh, he looks fine. These people look unmolested by chitons. Kind of uh, another thing y'all would notice, Brock looks obviously uncomfortable being in the air. Yes. Being lifted, he is uncomfortable with this. <laughs> Great. Uh, I, I mean, Leaf just kind of joyously rolls up and he's like, Brock, what did you do? This is wonderful. Yes, uh, Brock. <laughs> what did you do? This is this is a miracle. Um, He's going to look down at them for once in his life, finally. Uh, and he's going to say, maybe, maybe we can discuss it once things have calmed down a little bit. There's something we need to talk about. For now, He's just kind of, kind of motion to the people who are alive again, or well, they were alive before, but not really. Uh, he's going to say, but for now, they're they're back. Leaf, make a perception check. Bam, that's uh, twenty-seven. You notice just a slight amount, a bit of silver light glinting off of Brock's skin. Do it, do it, bam. Yeah. Yeah. 
do it to Anakin. Give it. <laughs> well, not now. He has the high ground, so, you know, like, wait a little bit. I, I, I guess just kind of ca- catching that silver light, uh, his, it's, it's kind of one of those things where, like, you're in the middle of something and, you know, you're, you're like, smiling. You're like, oh, yeah, this is really cool. And then you just see something weird and your face kind of goes slack for a second while you fixate on it. That's what, that's what Leaf is doing right now is just like, what? Silver. Uh, Riley just like leans over and pats him on the shoulder and uh, says, You all right? It, it's, is it just like a, a, you said it's just like a glint, right? Yeah, it, it's not intense, but you definitely notice it. Like it could just be like the, the sun catching him at a weird angle. What well, sun? <laughs> The moon. Remember, like like the moon. The moon's real sil- silver. Oh, the night sun. Yeah. yeah. It definitely flickers and dances as if from a flame. I mean, he, he just kind of clutches his hand in a similar manner to, to how he was whenever Riley found him a minute ago. And uh, he, he just nods and he says, yeah, uh, good work, Brock. And, uh, we, we could talk about that later. Yes, but for now, um, since this is such a joyous occasion and completely mind-blowing, let's see how high we can throw Brock. And Riley will, like, uh, <laughs> grab Leaf by the arm and, like, try to pull him into the crowd of people to get a hand on Brock to lift him up even higher or to maybe, like, bounce him a little bit. Please, if you could not do that, please, thank you. <laughs> She's like, oh, that reminds me. I taught Box a new word. Doom, doom, doom. Box, yeet! <laughs> <laughs> And he just rockets and fucking chucks him down the hallway because he's empty. <laughs> you would you would notice that as as you kind of mention making Brock's uh, uh, Brock go higher, he's kind of like grabbing onto people now, and he says, "I f- I feel more comfortable on on the ground." What, on, what's that, Brock? Ground. We can't hear you over all the cheering. You want to go higher? Well, <laughs> you heard them, man. And this is, I, I know this seems unfair, Make contested cur- uh, diplomacy checks. Oh, he'll be fine. I'll roll like shit. Tested diplomacy? To be fair, Brock, you have a bonus. Uh, 27. <laughs> oh, no. 19. Wow, that's the best I've ever <laughs> yeah. done. See? Um, the, the bulk of the people put you down, so unless Riley, you wish to hold his countenance above you for all to see with your own sheer might, um, they're putting him down. No, no, no way. He'll crush me, so I'll just guide him. Or I'll gracefully guide him down. As soon as both of his feet touch the ground, he's just like, oh. Slip, <sighs> slip a finger or two in. Well, <laughs> I don't have sneak attack, so no. <laughs> Once his feet are on the ground, you see, you see relief wash over his face. They're just like, "Oh, I'm back on the ground. This is nice." <laughs> Riley just kind of uh, smiles, but uh, yeah, Brock would Brock would kind of move a little bit out of the crowd just so that way they're not surrounded by people. And he would say, "Yeah, we we should probably discuss how uh, how this happened." And he would kind of look to Leaf and kind of follow them away from the group. Yes, let's do that. And as Riley departs from the uh, the small crowd, he will say, but first, one more round of applause for Brock. And he'll just start clapping. Well, Brock, I don't know what the hell you did, but 
I did leave follow them away from the group. Yes, sorry, I was I was muted. Okay, now nah, just making sure that everyone's there because uh, first he would like he would look at Leaf and he would say, "Did something happen to you over the past day or so?" Uh, yeah. I believe I scared uh, Taraxis a little bit. What did you do to him? Uh, he he just he he hasn't really let go of his other hand this whole time, and uh, he goes uh, and and he'll he'll like skitter away like five or ten feet, still kind of like fixated on that that little silver glint, and he'll just kind of do the silver flame thing again, and uh, like try and flicker it out like as fast as he can just to like demonstrate it and then put it out he says uh yeah Terexis wasn't a fan of of that uh he, he says my path is all tangled I, I was trying to be nicer and then the flame jumped at him of its own volition uh I I, I couldn't control it but whatever it is it's the first time I've seen Terexis afraid of anything uh, Brock would actually, I think, notice the fire from when you were trying to burn the body before, because he was watching you do that. Uh, and he would kind of nod, understanding that. But then he would quickly look to Riley and he would say, and you, have you had something happen to you as well? Riley, Riley uh, takes a deep breath and says, well, I can't produce a strange flame, but I was given a wealth of information, the most relevant of which pertains to my father's death and the man who killed him. This came to be in a dream or something like that. Shadow says it might have been a spiritual adventure. I'm not 100% certain. Oh, for some reason, Taraxis has approached me about both of you. I do not know if he is actually concerned for the both of you or he sees this as an opportunity to drive us apart. He has asked me to watch at least Leaf, as I feel, as you said, he is concerned for whatever it is you had but he has also made me aware that I am apparently the only one of us three that is untainted, as he put it. Leaf, with each passing word, the subtle glint of silver light grows brighter around Brock. He's, he's doing, like, the whole time, Leaf is just kind of, like, doing that werewolf thing where, like, the dude looks down, like, maybe, like, a day or two after he's gotten bitten by the werewolf, and, like, his hand is all hairy and has, like, long nails. And so he's just kind of, like, clutching it and, and like, hiding the hand, like, behind his back or whatever, and he's just, just struggling to listen to, to what Brock is saying. He, he told you to, to watch me, that I'm tainted? Yes. He seems to distrust whatever power you have obtained. Now, as as I said, he he asked me to watch, and in return, he would motion to the group. He fixed them. So it was Taraxis. Uh, you would you would say Brock doesn't seem like he's really proud of the exchange, but he's not like regretting it either. He's just kind of stating it matter of factly. Not really happy about what he did. He's just like I did it. And why did he suddenly decide to do this kindness? Well, it was a, a trade, as I said. He asked me to to watch you. Asked me to 
not let you stray from being yourself. As I saw fit to do that already, I didn't think it much of a trade. Hmm. Leaf, despite the cool air, you find yourself beginning to sweat. You glance to the side, I feel, at some point, and you notice a slight silver shimmer now on Riley. Just... Uh... Uh, panic. Just <laughs> <laughs> very ah. faint. Even fainter than when you first saw it on Brock, but you're like right next to him. Even still with this trade being made, I do not see fit to hide things from either of you. So, <laughs> Sure, guilt, guilt me into displaying my, my mental illness in its current state. So I, I thought this would be best out in the open so that you knew of the exchange, you knew what was asked from me, and you knew what he told me. Yep. Leaf, are you going to throw up? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. So, so, do you trust her access? In, in the long run? I think it would be best to watch the people that he has brought back to ensure their safety. But even with our agreement, as it would be put, he didn't offer any suggestion as to what he thought I should tell you or how he thought I should go about this. So I don't see any reason to distrust that. Interesting. And he's he's just going to like try and look himself over to make sure that he doesn't see like... Oh, the flame's telling me to burn myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just, just I gotta, I gotta get a sock puppet. A silver sock puppet. Burn them all, Socky? Of course. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, it's like, well, um, in the interest of honesty, <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm I'm starting to uh, what's 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 the word? Uh, Sweat. You you seem a bit sweaty. I, I think I'm I'm starting to get used to this this presence, this silver flame, and uh, the the thing last night, the the body of the tainted creature that that just burnt and and there was nothing left. It it had. It had a silver outline to it, and uh, he just takes like his other hand, and he and he points, and he's like, "You you got a a, a little bit of it right there. Did did you get any of that creature's blood on you?" Um, he would he would look, I guess, specifically the way Leif is pointing. You got a little existential schmutz right there, and he would say, "I I was fighting the large one, very." closely it did pick me up I suppose it's possible <laughs> but, <laughs> but no I, I don't see any of it on me maybe that's what it was from is, is the contact with the, the creature it, it did pick up Riley too yes I was, I was swallowed by the thing yes uh, about right there right he just points like at the little Clint to suffer. Okay. Uh, Riley like looks at where he's pointing, then looks back to Leaf and just like straight face says, "No, the creature did not just swallow this part of me. I was completely <laughs> swallowed, Leaf." 
<laughs> Just give me a little lick. There. <laughs> okay. Uh. I don't know. I, I I think with all of this going on, uh, there's a lot to think about. Yes, but I mean, there's been a lot to think about for a while. Let's not completely just dismiss the uh, miracle that Brock has at least pushed to happen this evening. Uh, regardless of deals with entities that we don't now and maybe never will understand, uh, what happened today and healing those afflicted in Gira is... I think a good thing so long as it works out but it's definitely probably a good thing and he'll uh Riley will just like step aside and gesture to the handful of people in uh camp probably celebrating the uh miracle of uh Brock's doing and Riley will say this you know is a lot of what I think we strive for or at least I do I don't wish to speak for you but uh that's the sense I get so there should be some comforts and appreciation for that. Yeah, of, of course. Maybe uh, we we pull the caravan to the side uh, and uh, c- celebrate everyone's newfound health. I do think this is an evening that calls for drinks. Lots of drinks. I, I would almost rather get to civilization before we start drinking. Who knows what sort of creatures lurk out here, but... Once we do, yes. Celebrations are far in order. Fair. Uh, well, good night. <laughs> before, before he walks away, Brock would kind of give both of them a serious look and say, but please, if either of you do feel whatever these entities you've made contact with doing anything more than that seems apparent, Please share it with us. This is something that we should probably not try to handle individually. Well, yeah. Yes, fine. I've briefly heard the voices of my dead parents. That is slightly concerning, but (laughs) as as long as they are not compelling you to do anything, I, I suppose... No, no, just simultaneously scolding me and congratulating me for thinking about a dirty joke. That's really, really not on par with a lot of what you two are going through. <laughs> I apologize. Oh, it is it is welcome that it is something so simple. Please, if it does grow worse, not, do not fear sharing it with us. Riley, like, forces a wide grin and says, Riley, Riley Morheim, I'm incapable of fear. <laughs> I'll roll that bluff. Fuck you. I'm immune to it. (laughs) (laughs) Have an incredible sense motive, sir, of plus five. I would beat you in a heartbeat. You might. I could roll like shit. Oh, but that would require me to roll good. (laughs) After that, Brock would just kind of let them wander off as they please to. Because he's... He just wants to make it clear. Say, yeah, it sounds like we're all on the same page. Yeah. Leaf, as you are making your way to bed, you happen to pass by Shadow. At first, you think maybe you see a glint of silver light on her as well. And then it's almost like she 
erupts in flame. Not like a massive eruption or anything like that, but like a like somebody starting a bonfire with just a little bit of gasoline. Just so like a flash that burns high for a few seconds and then dips back down low. Does, does she react to that at all? No, she's completely unaware of it. Not actual fire. So as as he's like walking, you can see he's he's still got like his his hand all all clutched and whatnot, and he's he's like making a beeline for the the wagon, the carriage, and uh, then he he kind of like starts a little bit at at seeing that, and he goes from walking in a straight line to taking like a much wider circle around Shadow while like giving her a strange look. Shadow, give me a perception. Dang it, I don't want to burn anybody. 19. Uh, you definitely notice this. <laughs> like, you see him walking by, and he just, like, jumps, and then just, like, s- stares at you, like, mm, like, walks around you, like, really far. It is not nice to stare, Mr. Goldfresh. <laughs> Sorry. Just just going through some stuff. Sorry. <laughs> You've seen many a man like him. It's sad. The process is long and arduous to detox. Yes, many of them stare because they don't think that they they all should be here. And they stare and they get dirty looks and they say mean things. (laughs) Job leave. She thinks you're a racist. racist. I was making a drug addict joke, but that's where she took it. So oh, no, I figured that's where she would go immediately. That's fair. Walks by like, <laughs> Ugh, what is this shadow person doing <clears throat> in my camp? Well, uh, yeah, he he just kind of waves at her with his free hand and, just, you know, sorry, uh, just going through some stuff. Good night. And, you know. And suddenly Box looks like a great burning man. No, no, no anything but box. box. <laughs> There's no light on box. It's because box is a gray Malkin on fire. <laughs> oh, oh boy, gray Malkin is just a little fucking comet of silver <laughs> flame. Because <laughs> just go running around, going, save me! Uh, like the whole <laughs> camp is covered by the fire produced solely by him. <laughs> Uh, there's no way in hell that the, the fucking flames on Grey Malkin are more intense than the ones that were on Tracks. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah, I'm half convinced that Grey Malkin is the bad guy for at the end of the campaign. <laughs> you just you 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 enter the the big bad's evil lair, and the chair spins around, and it's Grey Malkin petting a small human. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I see you arrive. <laughs> Feed me. I'm sorry, John. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So my bad. So Leaf goes to bed. Uh, Riley. Uh, Rock. Y'all going your separate ways, going to bed, doing your thing. Um, I, I've yeah, people want probably some, want some alone time with their loved ones, so uh, we'll probably have to settle up for uh, watch. And uh, just kind of carry on. Um, we're not that far from Thorn, so like turning around and bringing these guys home probably isn't really an option uh, at this point. 
So, uh, yeah, I guess just completing watch as normal and letting people just uh, enjoy themselves. Brock would check in with the people every once in a while because, like, he would feel at least somewhat more comfortable since he knows some of them. Uh, but he would try and mostly leave them alone. Just, you know, make sure that whatever Taraxis did left them, you know, relatively normal. They seem absolutely fine. Like I said, uh, Maximilian has the injury that he was previously stated to have had from the cataclysm yeah. uh, on his arm. But other than that, everybody seems hunky-dory, uh, save for their gaps in memory from being essentially rewinded. Uh, everybody's real happy and thankful and the people who were rewound are kind of catching on they're, they're, they're understanding they're just coming to grips with it yeah, it's that not makes extremely sense. damaging to them or anything yeah. uh, Brock's gonna weird. try not to be too invasive because you know he's learning that he's not great at talking to people so he's gonna try not to do that a whole lot <laughs> alright um so while y'all are on watch and going about doing your things, Shadow, as you are walking around, uh, kind of away from the others, you will see a tall, lanky entity standing not very far away from you. It raises a hand, a silent uh, greeting, it seems. By the void, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> you can call me Taraxis. And that's where we're going to end. Hi there, my name's Don. I'm a proud patron of this podcast you just listened to. I'd like to take a moment to talk about some of the projects that I work on. When I'm not listening to Tracy, Sean, and the rest of the gang tell wonderful stories using the Pathfinder rules, I like to make podcasts of my own. I'm the GM in the Starfinder homebrew adventure Hexgrid Heroes. On the other side of the GM screen, I play Cory in Pokemon Seicho and Peleus in Ashes and Allomancy. I also like to sit around and talk with my friends about how horror movies can be used in a haunted house setting, and for that, check out Fountain of Fear. All of these podcasts can be found at hexgridheroes.com. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to this episode. I'm Brian. I run Action Forge, a tabletop RPG YouTube channel where we dive into all sorts of topics. If you want to learn more, head over there and check it out. Also, if you want updates on all my various projects and some awesome tabletop RPG memes, go ahead and check me out over at Twitter where I'm at Action Forge. Good eye. This is Dick Horney. Inviting you to explore the world of Dustress, a unique homebrew setting within an Elder's Dream Games universe. Come along as the Hive Queen leads a gambler. Cowboy motherfucker with six shooter. I ain't never moved cattle in my life. I am a gambler. A Native American. He, he doesn't have a lifetime of eating processed food, so he probably is actually quite regular. And a Detroit teenager. Okay, so we're rolling into... Elves, aliens, and troll dolls. Through discovery of new magical abilities, struggle with the reality of unknown gods, and maybe learn a little bit about themselves along the way. Visit Eldritch Dream and Duster's Podcast on Twitter for details.
Well, 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 these are the city slickers they send me. Asking for wine and a pretty glass. How about that? I mean, I, I did ask for the wine, but not exactly the pretty glass. Do you dig the grapes yourself? I do. Seems tiresome, especially as of late. I've heard you had a few new arrivals. Yeah, it's been uh, a little bit weird lately. Uh, I'm not complaining too much because most of these people that wind up dead, there ain't too much left to bury, so I don't even have to dig a full grave. As this collides in with him, his neck shoots back in this contorted position and it says, I am the vanguard of the ancients. And then causes his entire body to explode, sending just pieces of gore and viscera across the entirety of the tavern. There's just stunned looks on everybody's faces except for the man in black who is currently still playing his guitar. LCP D&D is an actual play D&D 5e podcast. Our current adventure is set in the fantasy Wild West and features orcs, vampires, and an all-original soundtrack. Listen in by searching for LCP D&D wherever you get your podcasts or head over to lcpdnd.com. Welcome, Forsaken Travelers. Do you like sci-fi fantasy atmosphere? Do you like bad, scary movies, cult classics, and more? The Crow, Beetlejuice, Frankenstein? What about dad jokes? We have those, too. Tune in to the podcast for the Untimely Dead every other Sunday on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you there. If you'd like to become a patron, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash eldritchdream. We have a bunch of rewards for Dustress and Aeterna involved. You can also join us in the Hive, that's our Discord, linked in the episode description. You can also find links to our Tee Public, where we have tons of designs for various types of merch. Hit us up on Twitter or Discord. We love to hear from everyone and enjoy making new friends. And until next time, everybody... May the Elder Gods haunt your dreams.